Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Programs and welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro. My name is Jason Robbins, and my name is Derek Diamond. Uh, I think I forgot to say slash during the Patreon thing at the beginning. It's Patreon.com/slash Nerd Cave Retro if you would like to go support us. I have to apologize. I am very loopy tonight <laughs> because uh, I'm suffering from a massive, <clears throat> massive sinus infection. And um, I'm on antibiotics and Sudafed and everything <clears throat> that you can possibly throw into your body to make you feel better. It's the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of, of the year. year. So, Derek, I know you're not feeling all that well either. Well, so I was sick last week on the show, and I really started crashing about like three-fourths of the way through your review. Like as soon as we were done with the show, I like – I had a quick bite to eat and then went to bed. Mm -hmm. I was feeling better on Thursday, and then by Friday I was fine. I leave work yesterday, uh, that being Monday, and I just started getting this massive chill. Mm. I got in my car. Love that feeling. Turn, turn the seat warmers on, crank the <laughs> heat all the way up, and about five minutes later I'm still freezing. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I'm sick again. And sure enough, I wake up this morning and I'm like, uh, why? <laughs> yeah, I woke up Sunday morning uh, and I could actually feel like my um, uh, my uh, nasal cavity. I could actually yeah. feel it. <laughs> and my that's throat the absolute was sore. worst. 
Oh, my throat was sore. I couldn't talk. I've been dizzy the last few days. Like every time I stand up, I almost fall down. And and you can tell my voice is like eight octaves lower than it normally is. So I actually might sound kind of sexy right now. (laughs) It's nerd cave after dark. (laughs) (laughs) This is Uh, Don Cornelius and welcome to Soul Train. That was a show I pitched for years, but Zach and Robbie never went for it. <laughs> we should do I wanted Nerd to... Cave after dark. That'd be awesome. A Patreon special? Yeah, yes. we we have to do that like in person where we have like cigars and like yeah. a glass of scotch and some silk robes. <laughs> I'm down with that, but I got to wait till it, the sinus infection's over with before I start start smoking cigars or I might die. Well, we'd make uh, Ron Burgundy proud with many leather-bound books. <laughs> it smells, of... smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Uh, and if you could notice behind me on the screen, if you're watching us on Twitch or on YouTube, uh, I have a cat back there. Her name's Lizzie. Uh, I named her after Lizzie Borden, but um, she's usually an outside cat. But the weather here has been awful the last few days, so she's uh, she's making the transition to being an inside cat so she's not freezing outside. So she'll be... I, I think she's pretty well knocked out right now, so I don't think she'll be bothering us. <laughs> Yeah, she looks how I'm going to look in about an hour and a half. Yeah, same here. <laughs> but on that note, let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. This is a story from uh, NintendoLife.com. The Retro Champ is a Switch-like hybrid console that plays your original NES games on the go. Uh, the switch is surely the switch is slow, is surely becoming a super useful tool for playing NES games on a modern display, even on the go and handheld form. Um, but meet the Retro Champ, a Switch-like system from My Arcade, which can play original NES and Famicom cartridges, slightly bigger than the Switch. Uh, the console includes a built-in 7-inch display for portable play with a re- rechargeable battery, allowing up for 35 hours of playtime. Uh, can be either wow. used as a portable machine uh, inc- using the included face buttons or can be plugged into a TV using its HDMI output. You can snag a couple of My Arcade wireless controllers at extra cost should you want to play in this improvised docked style. Um, but you can also get a cartridge cleaning kit in the box to give your old games a much-needed cleanup. So what do you think about this? I think this is actually kind of cool. I think that this is a sign that Nintendo needs to put more games out on their online shop. Uh, Not only that, but I think Nintendo would do well to actually put out something like this, something kind of a handheld device that could that could play NES games or Super NES games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even the the controllers look like a a hybrid between. Well, it looks like an SNES controller, but with you know, a little bit of an extra handle on it. Um, it says here is an update. The battery life has now been confirmed to be three to five hours rather than the 35 hours uh, okay. originally reported in the press release, which that sounds a little more accurate, but yeah. I, uh, I think okay, this I is really that. cool. I mean, if, if I had a collection of NES cartridges, this would be something that, you know, I would debate getting. If this had like SNES or N64, I, I'd be a little more inclined to get it. Yeah, and of course, I have a uh, collection of like 85, about 75 to 85 NES games at this point. I would love to be able to play them on the go, especially some of the ones that I play a lot. 
Yeah, for sure. But like I said, it's one of those things that when I read stories like this, it just makes me think Nintendo needs to stop releasing like three games a month. Oh, yeah. They it, just it's need to, ridiculous at this point. Yeah, just, just put them all out there. All of them. Yeah, just do it all at one time. Yep. Which is sort of a segue into our next story. This comes to us from 91mobiles.com. Nintendo Switch online code hints at upcoming N64 and GameCube retro consoles. A data mining leak has surfaced pertaining to the Nintendo Switch online, referring to the overall improvement of the emulated classic platforms and possibly new retro consoles. The data leak spotted newly added codes and provisions which all point towards the addition of new classic games from platforms other than the Nintendo NES to Switch Online. For instance, games from the Nintendo SNES platform are also expected to be made available. However, more processing of the data appears to have revealed more interesting insight upon Nintendo's plans. According to Data Unearthed, it seemed like Nintendo may have more classic gaming consoles in plan for the future. The company had a pretty successful run with its NES Classic and SNES Classic retro gaming consoles, uh, which had specific code names to them. Now, new data suggests the presence of Hyaku and Count emulators in the code, which hint at the possible launch of new retro consoles soon. Hmm. So, we talked a month or so ago that after the holidays, they were going to cease production of the NES and SNES classics. And we've we've talked about the rumors of an N64 classic before, but what would you think of a GameCube classic? I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really see the point in that because you can still go buy a GameCube for relatively cheap um, at any retro game store or, you know, on eBay or whatever that are not that expensive. And and the games are relatively not that expensive. So I don't know. I kind of don't see the point in that unless you wait a few more years, like, you know, f- five more years or so. Yeah, I think as far as the N64 Classic goes, and I may have said this before on the show. I can't remember if I have or not. I think if they do it, they've got to beef up the graphics just a little bit. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't look so choppy and so polygony and just yeah because those games did not hold up very well no they would have to do some upresing of those of whatever games they put on there and and another thing like we talked about before a lot of the great games were by rare and they're not going to be able to get those games to put on the console so they're going to have to really pick and choose what um nintendo branded games and what games they're going to be able to put on there because if they start to put on there a lot of rare games, that's just going to cause the, the the price of the console to go up exponential, uh, exponentially because of the licensing fees they're going to have to pay. I mean, they could do it without putting the rare games, but it would be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, well, it'd be my... disappointing to a lot of people because they're going to want, you know, GoldenEye and Banjo-Kazooie and games like that on there. Yeah. I mean, you could you could still throw in like Mario sixty four, Ocarina of Time, uh, Star Fox, Mario Kart, and a few others, and it would it still be okay. But yeah, I would want Goldeneye. I would want Banjo Kazooie. I would want heck, even like Perfect Dark, even though that yeah. wouldn't be 
a very likely game to be on it. But rare to me was, and I've said this many times, but rare is almost synonymous with Nintendo during the yeah. SNES and especially the N64 era of that company. And Lucas Games too, Lucas Arts. You know, with um, like Rogue Squadron and um, yeah, you know, M Shadows, uh, of, the Shadows Empire. of the Empire. Like all those games would have to be on there too, because when I think of the Nintendo sixty four, those are the first games that pop in my head. Like those were really important games for that console, for sure. Uh, to touch on the GameCube, the GameCube came out in two thousand one. Mm -hmm. So it's not even 20 years old yet. No. Like so I, said, I, I think it's too soon. <clears throat> you can go, like, right now I could go to my local retro game shop, buy a GameCube and, you know, a handful of really good games for 100 bucks, and be happy. And yeah. it wor still works well. I mean, they're built, those things were built to last. I mean, you really just have to make sure when you buy your games that they're not scratched up because they are disc-based, but... They're the mini discs, so <clears throat> they're more likely to be in good shape than the big, the uh, you know, DVD sized games. Yeah, I, I think they should just focus on their Switch online shop. Yeah, and not worry about the classic consoles. Exactly. I mean, it's an N sixty four one in theory is cool, but I I'm happy with just having the NES and the SNES classics. Yeah. Uh, but on the next story, it's kind of along the same lines. Uh, the Nintendo Switch Online data mine hints at SNES games, and this is from Polygon.com. Uh, members may have more than just classic NES games to look forward to as part of their subscription. One Nintendo fan looked at the source files for the NES game collection and says they found code for a variety of SNES games, including Super Mario Kart, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, and Super Mario World. Um, they dug into NES online files this weekend and posted a long list of references to SNES game. Um, and this, you know, there's a lot of games on here, like Super Mario Kart, Legend of Zelda, Demon's Crest, Yoshi's Island, uh, Star Fox, Contra 3, Super Goals and Ghosts, Kirby's Dreamland 3, Super Metroid, F-Zero, Pilot Wings, you know, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, Super Punch-Out, a lot of games on this list, so... Really doesn't surprise me at all that we're going to be start getting Super Nintendo games pretty soon on the Switch. It's the next logical step, and games like Link to the Past, Mario World, Yoshi's Island, Mario Kart. I mean, yeah, they're games that they've released before multiple times, but yeah, they're they're a solid starting lineup. And oh, I yeah. think even throwing in like Mario All Stars and Legend of the Mystical Ninja, I think would be really cool. And oh my gosh, if you have a Switch and you have not gotten a Pro Controller yet, oh, what are you waiting for? That is the It makes best, a difference, doesn't it? That is the best purchase I've made in this since I bought the Nintendo Switch in late 2017. Like, I don't know how I survived to this point without a Pro Controller. It's a it's a little pricey, but it makes a world oh, of difference. So good. I'm so it's glad I bought that. Especially when you're playing games like Smash Brothers and Mario mm -hmm. Kart, makes it so much better. And it's so much like a uh, an Xbox controller. Like I love it. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And I know yeah, Wally. And I, and I was telling Derek this before uh, we started the show. I know that our our, our um, fact checker, Mister Wally Phelps, is going to get angry because we have a news item coming up next. 
that is not retro gaming, but it is Metroid-based, so I figured it fit in well with Metroid Month, so Wally, you're just going to have to live with it. <laughs> I was going to say, in the most important piece of retro gaming news, <laughs> emphasis on the retro yes. for the entire week, you can pre-order Metroid Prime 4 for the Nintendo Switch with a discount. This comes to us from comicbook.com. You might be wondering why you'd want to pre-order Metroid Prime 4 for the Switch without a release date or an official reveal. There are two reasons. First, you can pre-order it with a 6% discount uh, for $55, and you don't have to pay for it until the game is shipped, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Uh, the second reason is that a recent leak may have pegged the release date for November 29th, 2019 that's kind of crazy mm -hmm. even if that date turns out to be incorrect the game was first announced over a year and a half ago and it's likely that we'll get an official look at it sometime in the near future i, I think with the nintendo direct they do to tie in with e3 that's got to be a big thing for them like it it has to be well i would imagine that uh metroid is going to be the big uh game for uh the christmas season this year um, I don't see anything else that it would be as far as, you know, Nintendo properties. Um, you know, they're not going to come out with another uh, Mario game just yet. They're, they're not going to come out with another Zelda game just yet. They just released uh, Smash Brothers this year. Metroid is going to be the big game this year. I guarantee it. It has to be. Absolutely. It'd be cool it has if, to be. It, it'd be cool if they brought out another Star Fox but I don't think it's going to be promoted as big as Metroid. Yeah, and the only other property I could actually see them coming out with that they haven't announced anything for yet is maybe another F-Zero, possibly, for this system. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't maybe. surprise me at all. I'm I'm intrigued to see what Nintendo does this year because... They've all they've already released Mario, Zelda, and they just put out Smash Brothers. So, I think Metroid, Star Fox, like you said, maybe F Zero. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be cool if they released another Pikmin game because I love those games for the the GameCube. Yeah, back either in the that day. Or, so, um, uh, what's the name of the uh, game? Uh, oh crap! With the farming and all that stuff. Uh, Harvest Moon? Har not Harvest Moon. Um, is it Harvest? Not Harvest Moon. What's the big game that everybody loves that was on uh, the Wii? Damn it, I can't think of it. Oh, jeez. Or was it on the Wii? No, I can't think of it. Why am I drawing a blank right now? <laughs> uh, with all the... It's a huge Nintendo property that everybody's been wanting, and now I can't remember the name of it. And it was a farming game? I think it not. It was Animal Crossing. That's what I was oh, trying yeah. to think of. Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. Maybe be an Animal Crossing game this year. Yeah. That, that could happen, that's too. That's a possibility. Yeah. I don't we know. I guess, we'll, I guess we'll find out this summer <laughs> when yeah. they start announcing things. But, um, we but let's will. go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, in January of 1986, the Commodore releases Mindwalker for the Amiga. It keeps running unmodified on all versions of the Amiga hardware and OS. 
This looks very Tron-like. Yes, it does. Very like a lot of games from that era. That's one thing you could say about the Amiga. It had some great-looking games for it. Mm-hmm. It was way ahead of its time. Yeah, I've I've never heard of this game, but it it, it looks like it looks like something that would have been quite popular in that era. Yeah, I still got to watch that uh, documentary about the Amiga. It's on Amazon Prime, and I keep saying I'm going to watch it, but I keep forgetting. Yeah. On January 14th, 1987, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link for the Famicom Disk System in Japan only. The game would go unreleased in America for nearly two years afterwards. And should have been unreleased to this day. (laughs) I was about to say, there are a lot of great Zelda games. This is not one of them. I just cannot bring myself to like that game at all. I just... I think a lot of it had to do, and I think eventually we should do like a co-review of this game, yeah. just because I feel like we need to at some point. But well, I remember saying I was gonna do a review of this game, like what a year, year and a half ago, and I started Something playing like it, and I thought maybe with age that I would have a deeper appreciation for it. I still hate it as much now as I did as a kid. <laughs> I can't help it. I do. It's just so different from the first one that it was just kind of doomed to fail. Yeah, I, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that really like it, but there's just not. I, I, I don't like this the drastic change that it made from the top down view to you still had the overworld top down, but then you moved to the side scrolling 2D uh, platformer aspect of it, and it just didn't work for me. I just I don't like that at all. It just feels completely different than any other Zelda game. Yeah. And it's not a good thing. No. Uh, in January of 1990, a boy and his blob, Trouble in Blobolonia, uh, is a 1989 video game developed by Imagineering for the Nintendo Entertainment System. The video game was published by Absolute Entertainment in North America and Europe and by Jalico in Japan. Did you ever play a boy and his blob? I did not. I've actually never heard of it. I rented it one time when I was a kid. I, I remember this game coming out, and uh, it looked interesting, but it's such an odd game. I couldn't get into it as a kid. I, you have to, you get the, you're a boy, you got this blob, and you feed the blob different pieces of candy to turn him into different shapes and things to help you like solve puzzles and things like that it sounds like a good concept but and just it it wasn't executed very well the artwork makes me think of a comic book yeah well the guy that uh actually developed the game had this whole idea of he was going to release the game and he had a a a a comic book in mind that he was going to release the same time and a cartoon and it just kind of never really took off. I think he was thinking too big picture. Probably. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. 
But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's see. Also in January of 1990, Double Dragon 2 The Revenge, a side-scrolling beat-em-up game produced by Technos Japan, originally released as a coin-operated arcade game in 1988. It is the first sequel to Double Dragon, released during the previous year. I like Double Dragon 2. Uh, I think it's actually better than the first game. I love. I still love the first game, but I think Double Dragon Two was a much better, um, much improvement over the first game. I still need to play Double Dragon. You do. I can't believe you've never played it. No, no, it's it's on my list. I Eventually, when, I'll get to it. When I was a kid, that was the game to have. Was Double Dragon? Everybody had a copy of Double Dragon. Well, I mean, after the wizard kicked ass on it, yeah. I mean, everybody had to have it. <laughs> uh, January uh, 1st of 1995, Battle Arena Toshinden was released by Tamsoft slash SCEA. Uh, it was one of the first fully 3D fighting games. I remember it's crazy to think the PlayStation was around in 95. Uh, the, well, the PlayStation came out in 94, I believe. I know. Yeah, it's... it's, it's I always think that console came out in like 96 or 97. No, I was in 11th grade when the PlayStation was released. Wow. <laughs> so That's old. wild. I'm an old man now. I'm not that far behind you. <laughs> and to close us out, on January 13th, 1995, Bust a Move is released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh my god, I love bust a move so much i the game or the song both <laughs> <laughs> no but uh bust a move actually has the characters from bubble bobble if you've ever played mm -hmm. that um but it's um it's kind of hard to describe it's kind of more of a uh how would you describe it? have you ever played bust a move um i've played i don't know if it's was straight up called bust a move but back at my old dentist office there was an arcade machine that had burger time and bust a move or bubble bobble yeah we used so to have, I, uh, I know what type of game it is the restaurant i used to work at used to have a bubble um bust a move machine and man i put a lot of quarters into that game yeah it's fun it's one of those that it's a it's an easy time killer like you yeah. can easily spend like 30 minutes to an hour playing this game. It's just sort of like a a puzzle game uh, along the lines of like Peggle or or stuff like that. It's very much like a uh, pop cap game and very yeah. addictive. So if you ever get a chance to play Bust a Move, it's actually on the Super Nintendo uh, Classic. So if you have one and you've never played Bust a Move, you're missing out. And I'm sure the song's on Spotify. You can check oh, that yeah. out, too. I, I actually wanted to play the song, but I'm like, no, we'll get striked <laughs> on YouTube for that. <laughs> yeah, probably. If you want it, you got you it. You got it. 
but tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... This week, we will be continuing Metroid Month with my review of Metroid 2 Return of Samus, which is an action-adventure game developed and published by Nintendo for the Game Boy. The first Metroid game for a handheld console, it was released in North America in November of 1991 and in Japan and Europe in 1992. The story follows bounty hunter Samus Aran on her mission to exterminate the Metroid creatures from their home planet before the space pirates can obtain them. Players must find and destroy the Metroids to progress through the planet's tunnels. So I briefly played this game as a kid for the Game Boy back in the day. I never played the original Metroid for NES. My first introduction to this franchise was Super Metroid. And then I found out, well, there was a Game Boy version. So, you know, I've talked about my my love of the Game Boy back when I was a kid. So it's crazy it was a how game the, I, the Game Boy graphics look more like the Super Nintendo version of Metroid. I know. And that was the crazy thing going back and playing, you know, through this game was I was like, this game looks really good mm-hmm. for a Game Boy game because you go back and play like Super Mario Land it looks worse than an NES game. Yeah. <laughs> but you play this, and I was like, holy crap, like the details of like with, you know, the planet's atmosphere and the the ground and the walls and everything. Very good-looking Game Boy game. So that, that was what kind of surprised me the most going back and playing this. I think, you know, going back and playing through this, it's very much like the original Metroid and that, you know, there is a central purpose, but there, it, it's different enough where it's not exactly the same game. It takes place on a different planet. There aren't really any boss battles aside from when you fight the Queen Metroid at the end. There is one boss whose name, I had it pulled up a second ago, uh, called Arachnus. But it's also an optional thing. Like, you don't have to fight him. At some point, you... Um, so you know how you collect the little item spheres in the statue's hands and like you collect the morph ball and yeah. various things like that? Well, he's basically disguised as one of those. Oh, okay. So if you know where he is, you can avoid him. Uh, and like you said last week with Metroid 1, if you play Metroid 2, like the original Game Boy game, because there is a remake that I'll touch on in a second, find a walkthrough and find yeah. a map because you will get lost very very easily i'm going to go back and play super metroid and i'm gonna hopefully try to uh, stream it this week and when i play i'm definitely using a walkthrough yeah for sure so something that i think is very underrated about this game because gameplay wise it's what you would expect from a metroid game it's very similar to the original and even similar to super metroid But I think something that's very key here is the story of this game because it leads into Super Metroid, which 
widely regarded as possibly the best game in this entire franchise. Hmm. So sometime after the original Metroid game, the, um, the Galactic Federation decides that the best thing to do with the Metroids is just wipe them out completely. So they send these different groups to the Metroid's home planet, which is called SR-388, to just wipe them out, as Palpatine would say. All of them. All of them. <laughs> but the problem is all of the teams keep disappearing, like they don't come back. So who do they call on? Good old reliable Samus. Mm -hmm. So you have to explore the planet, and I think there's... Including the final boss, there's 40 Metroids, and there are different evolutions and stages of Metroids, too. Like, you have the originals, but you also have what are called, like, the Alpha Metroids, the Omega Metroids, uh, Zeta, Gamma. So, you're not just fighting the plain-looking Metroids throughout this planet. And the planet is one giant area instead of being, like, different sub-areas like it was in the original game. Um, but the gameplay-wise, like I said, it's what you would expect. Um, it does introduce some cool um, power-ups, like it introduces the plasma beam, um, the spider ball, which when you're in morph ball mode, you can attach yourself to the wall and basically control yourself and maneuver oh, that would be along the walls. So much better in the first game <laughs> to be right? able to do that. It also introduces the space jump which uh, I, I always call it the screw attack, mm -hmm. but it's basically you do flips in the air and you can keep floating and floating and floating. And I'm sure the YouTube viewers are enjoying my hand motions to describe this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot that I can really say about it other than to add on with what you said last week is I, I think it's a very good follow-up to the original game. The There was a remake, and I completely forgot about this, until um, I started playing the original one. But uh, it was made for the 3DS back in 2017 uh, called Metroid Samus Returns, which oh. includes updated graphics. Um, something that's great is that you don't, when you collect like the ice beam and the plasma beam, you don't have to go back and find them again if you want to switch. Yeah. Everything's controlled with, you know, the second screen and everything. So and there are a couple of new power-ups as well. But the remakes from what I've played of it so far is is very good. Oh, wow. This is why I remember I've seen, I've seen gameplay of Metroid 2. And I, not and I noticed then how good the, uh, the graphics were. And I remember seeing this in color at some point. And it says here, mm -hmm. the Game Boy's black and white graphics resulted in changes to Samus's gear that eventually became permanent. In the original Metroid, color was used to differentiate between Samus's power suit and her various suit, an upgraded version. However, without color on the Game Boy, the two suits would have appeared similar, requiring the developers to develop a visual indicator for players to determine which suit Samus was wearing. They also updated her various suit, adding round metal shoulders that have been part of the suit in every game in the series since then. Nintendo R&D 1 was also involved in developing the Game Boy Color, a successor to the original Game Boy. Nintendo of America's Dan Osen noted that the Nintendo R&D 1 included a special Metroid palette in the Game Boy's Color hardware, which made Metroid 2 look really, really nice on the Game Boy Color, remarking that this made the game's graphics comparable to the original Metroid on the NES. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a. I found a gameplay video on YouTube. Someone played through it on the Game Boy Color. It looks really good. Yeah, this is a really good looking game. I mean, to be originally on the original Game Boy, which was pretty limited as far as as what it could do graphically, but to have that kind of foresight to be able to you know be able to put it on the Game Boy Color and have an already a, a Metroid palette built into it to when you played the game, it would just up-res it basically. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, as far as the reception of the game goes, it, it got, for the most part, good reviews, even though one I thought was interesting was from oneup.com. Uh, let's see. Let me if I can find it here. Um, Jeremy Parrish of oneup.com was particularly critical of Metroid 2, finding the game painful to play and describing it as something of a dark spot on a brilliant series reputation. However, he found the game's premise ambitious, adding that it provided the series a vital crux as Samus's actions in Metroid 2 set the plot for Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. Game trailers similarly commented that it told one of the most pivotal chapters in the series' overall plot. So I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler because the game's been out since 91, but you fight the Queen Metroid at the end of the game. Once you kill her and you're trying to get off the planet, you find this egg that hatches to become a baby Metroid, which is the last living Metroid in the galaxy. When this thing hatches, the first thing that it sees is Samus. So it thinks that Samus is its mother. <laughs> so it follows Samus as you escape the planet. And then, you know, you get to your ship and you leave game ends. So it's, it's a very quiet ending in a way, but, it does provide a very pivotal point in the entire franchise. And, and it is right. It does continue on to Metroid Fusion as well. well it says longtime Metroid director Yoshio Sakamoto remarked at the 2010 Game Developers Conference that he was very moved by the ending in Metroid 2, which influenced him on creating Super Metroid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I was glad that I went back and and played this and it's funny because I even downloaded the um the remake on my 3DS and I've been playing through it as well. It's crazy to think how handheld graphics have come oh, since yeah. the days of the Game Boy. It's absolutely crazy. Um other other platforms gave it actually very good reviews. I mean Game Rankings gave it a 79, IGN gave it a 9 out of 10, Nintendo Life 7 out of 10. Entertainment Weekly gave it an A+, plus, hmm. which is pretty crazy for a video game because then you think then you think of like Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past territory for yeah. games as far as review as reviews go. But yeah, like I said there's not really a lot that I can say about this game other than it's a Metroid game. It plays very similar to your other 2D games. Uh it holds up very well graphics-wise and gameplay-wise. And it's different enough from Metroid 1 where it's not a complete rehash because a lot of the handheld games, like, for example, the Donkey Kong Land games for, um, for Game Boy are basically the same as Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. But this is different enough because you're not fighting bosses. Like, you don't fight Ridley or Kraid. 
you're in one central area that, that's actually pretty large for a Game Boy game. And the objective is is slightly different, so well, it I provides mean, enough of a different experience where it's not a complete rehash of the original game. I'm really interested in playing this. Uh, this is the one game that makes me want to get a uh, Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo, so I can play this game in particular. I think you'd like it. I, I know how much you love the original Metroid game, so I'm it's really- a... I'm really excited to get started on Super Metroid again, too. Oh, heck, I might go through and play through a little bit of it it's as well. It's so good. It holds up yeah. like crazy. Top five Super Nintendo game. Easily. Yeah. But that that will be one that we get into more detail next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say my one compliment or my one knock on this game is the music. The music's not very good. Hmm. Uh, I don't. Th- it didn't say anything about. Uh, let's see. Composer was it the same composer? Uh, Ryoji Yashi- Yoshitomi. I don't think that's the same guy that did um, the first Metroid game. Let me see. Well, because you think of like Metroid One and the other games that have all these good themes and whatnot to them, but Metroid Two just doesn't have that. Like, it, but I also say that has a lot to do with the Game Boy itself. A lot of the sound from the original Game Boy is not very good from some of the games, so yeah. it's not a complete knock on it, but it's also not a very good soundtrack. There's really not much of a soundtrack to it in general. Why why can I not pull up Metroid like I uh, did last week here? Ah, here we go. Uh, Let's see, composer. No, the original composer for Metroid was Hirokazu Tanaka. And he did not do Metroid 2. Yeah. So, overall, scale of 1 to 10, I would give this game... I'd probably give it a solid 8. It... It's a very good-looking Game Boy game. Uh, if you collect handheld games, it, to me, is a must up there with Link's Awakening and all of the Mario Land games. Yeah. It's it's very good. I mean, it's a really good-looking game. It's crazy how how nice this game looks after all these years, especially to be a Game Boy game. And that was one of the biggest shocks to me because... Other than briefly playing it when I was a kid, I haven't touched or looked at anything Metroid 2 related. So that was a very nice surprise. Cool. Um, Well, definitely looks like it's worth checking out then. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Like I said, it's, it's not a very long review, but it's also very similar to Metroid 1, so... A lot of it would just be repeating what you said last week. I am really excited <clears throat> to get to Super Metroid for next week because I, I played it. I didn't <clears throat> finish it. I started playing it earlier last year and uh, didn't get too far into it, but I was surprised at how well it held up and how good it looked and how good it played. So I'm really excited to really dive into it this week uh, to get ready for next week's review. 
And hopefully neither of us will be sick by then. Yeah, I know. Hopefully I'll be able to uh, talk and think straight and uh, <laughs> yeah. be able to, you know, not feel like I'm going to fall over and pass out any moment. We need to think of other franchises that we could dedicate like months to. Because hmm. I'm, I'm really liking Metroid Month. Well, I mean, let's see. I've already done Ninja Gaiden. We could always do the Ninja Gaiden games, or uh, I could always go back and re-review Ninja Gaiden. Uh, of course, we got Legend of Zelda. Um, oh, Metal Gear. We could do uh, Metal Gear Month. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else is there? What do what do the listeners think? That's, yeah. What, what what series would you guys like us to review? Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you would like us to do a dedicated month to. Ooh, I just thought of a good one. Even though like we've already reviewed some of the games, Ninja Turtles month. Oh, that's that's a must. We have to do that. Yeah. Even if some of them are just, you know, us doing a co-review. Ooh, we could I do, think it would uh, be great. We could do Mega Man May. <laughs> Force me to actually play some Mega Man? Yes. <laughs> I'm down with that. I mean, I've only reviewed Mega Man 2 so far. We only have, like, what, 10 more to, to go yeah. through? Well, I, I reviewed Mega Man X a few yeah. months ago. So, but... Well, we've got all the Mega Man X games and all the regular Mega Man games. So we, we got quite a few we could do for that month. Maybe we should just make 2020 Mega Man yeah. year. We could do Mega Man summer and just do it all summer long. Yeah. The Mega Man cast. A mega summer. Mega summer. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Is there anything uh, you want to throw out there before we leave tonight? Yeah, just uh, be sure to check out my other show, The Derek Diamond Experience. Officially launched the new format last week, so... Got a uh, a fun chat with uh, not one but two filmmakers this week. One is a writer director, and the other is a producer, talking about their uh, their horror themed short film called The Whistler that is currently making uh, the film festival circuit. Nice. So be sure to check that out this upcoming Thursday, and you can follow the show on social media. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic! And if uh, if I'm not feeling like death in the next few days, I'm going to start streaming playing Super Metroid. So keep an eye out on my Twitter at JFunktastic, and follow me over on Twitch at Twitch.tv/JFunktastic, and give me a follow over there. And uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the show. So let me go ahead and uh, play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter uh, at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And please, wherever you listen to the show, if they give you the option to leave us a review, Please do so. Just take a couple seconds out of your day and let everybody know what you think about the show. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Bust a move. Yours. You want it. You got it. Master Blaster runs by the town.